you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Around the NFL Podcast. Still can't get to sleep. From, that is true, from beautiful London, England. For the last time, it's the Around the NFL Podcast. Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal. Ricky Hollywood. It's not our last show. It's our last show in London for now. And it's um, the flagship program. And it's not going to be just us handling the games. Uh, Nick Shook, as he always does, is going to help us out. But because of the late time here, it's we're taping around 1.30 a.m. Um, here, London time. Shook and Gravedigger will handle the great Sunday night football, uh, Sunday night football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, and uh, Greg, we're going to get to all the games like we always do, uh, but uh, your thoughts after what has been a real whirlwind uh, here in England, uh, what a time we've had. It, it's been insane. I mean, if it's our last show, we're going out on top. We're going out <laughs> with a lot of energy. We're going to fake it till we make it. Uh, what a long day, but a uh, rewarding day like it started with us at the stadium at 9 30 local time and as you mentioned getting back after midnight you know talking with with some of the fans there and we'll get to all of all of uh the sights and scenes but it, it was special chris wesseling our friend you know being remembered on the on the big board we'll, we'll talk about that but it, that's what i'm going to remember for the rest of my life from this trip more more than anything that happened uh, between the jets and the falcons yeah, Jets-Falcons, we were at the game today, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit from uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, tribute on the big screen for Chris Wessling, our friend uh, that we lost in February. And um, we also got to talk about Wes with uh, MJD and a uh, on-field host whose name escapes me. Maybe it was Sam. I don't know. Sam Quack, and uh, that was special and uh, kind of surreal with 65,000 people in that building. So, yeah, we're going to get to uh, – we'll talk – we'll pepper in some uh, of our memories of this trip throughout the show. But, yes, we know what the majority of you are here for, which is to get to the action 
of week five. And yeah, the, the game of the day, the game that everyone will remember, the game that will be on every top 10 list uh, was that showdown uh, in uh, Los Angeles between the Chargers and Browns. We're going to get to that when Shook joins us, but let's start with another weird and memorable game. Uh, this one took place in Wes's hometown of Cincinnati. 49-yard field goal attempt for Mason Crosby, who's missed three in a row in this game. Snap and placement. Here's the kick. It is up. It is good. Mason Crosby got it done. Fourth time a charm. Fourth time a charm for Mason Crosby. And the Packers (laughs) win it in overtime. Wayne Larravee with Larry McCarron exhaling as well, I believe. WTMJ. Mason Crosby missed three f- straight potential winning field goal attempts. That is not, I didn't misspeak there, before hitting a 49-yarder in overtime to lift the Packers to a 25-22 win over the Bengals. Cincinnati's kicker had his own issues. Evan McPherson, the rookie, who had won two of the first four games of the season for the Bengals, missed two field goals of his own late in the fourth quarter, quarter and overtime. Uh, the last one sailed straight left, went straight, then hooked left hard and hit the flag on the wrong side of the upright. And Greg, before I throw it to you, um, this was a, a situation, five missed kicks uh, in a period of about eight or nine game minutes. That was kind of unprecedented. I just want to hear from McPherson, who was celebrating winning the game on the field and had to be grabbed by his own teammates. And, and they were like, bro, <laughs> you missed. Here's McPherson after the game. For me, what I saw is I struck it really well. Um, and I saw it going right down the middle. So, I mean, I couldn't really tell you. Maybe a big gust of wind caught it right at the last second. But uh, I struck it well. And honestly, I thought the refs were playing a game with us whenever they, I saw I looked down there and they were doing the no good motion. Uh, honestly, thought they were playing a game because I, I struck it really well and I was real confident. That would have been a really mean trick, Greg, if the referees were just <laughs> missing, messing with them. But that is not the case. Uh, the Packers survived. I uh, would love it if officials just did that every once in a while, just kind of mess with players' minds just because they're bored. (laughs) Maybe it makes sense that the wind took it uh, wide because Mason Crosby talked to Peter King while we were on Sky Sports, so we heard that secondhand that he thought there was a crosswind that affected a lot of these kicks, and that McPherson one especially looked good. And on a day where before we even got into the stadium we were walking around doing these little events and i saw a, a bengal's fan pro- probably um <laughs> like a sad man ultimately but a hopeful man wearing an evan mcpherson jersey to the game i could have sworn i saw two evan mcpherson jerseys at the game but maybe i just saw the same guy well the other guy it- was evan mcpherson he had just uh, he had left his uh, other cleats in the car and he had run back inside it's a shame but this game was so good from the first minute Devontae Adams just having one of those games making everything look so easy dimes from Aaron Rodgers but what always gets me fired up and you were sitting next to me during this Dan was like have some stones Zach Taylor have some stones Matt LaFleur you guys are both repeatedly playing to your kicker Instead of playing to your quarterback, and maybe Joe Burrow hasn't totally earned that right. He did throw up a pretty ghastly interception that should have ended the game on the first possession of overtime. But on the other side, it's Aaron Rodgers. One of those possessions, he literally didn't throw the ball. He handed it off twice for negative five yards before Crosby missed one of his kicks. So it's crazy that 
in this era of like ultra analytics and like everyone is looking for these small edges that even the smartest young coaches and I'd put Lafleur in that group seem to really blow it with this you know game management and still playing so conservative in these moments playing to long kicks. Yeah, I, I thought, and it, it can happen to veteran coaches, rookie coaches, obviously. Uh, sometimes um, the moment a game gets weird, it gets late in the game, the stakes are high, and you start coaching a little tight. And I thought that's what we saw from both coaches in this game, but especially what happened uh, sending Crosby out there. But I will say this, sending him out there for the 49-yarder on fourth and inches when your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers, we first guessed the move. Um, and then, of course, he he, he put it through. Uh, still doesn't mean it was the right move, and um, but it does show well, we that first the Packers the, the, four, the five before that or four of them before that. So yeah, we were right yeah. on those. But like Mason Crosby is a guy they love. Mason Crosby has been there forever. Uh, I think he had hit twenty eight in a row uh, before the first miss. So things were very strange, obviously. And and I do buy into the wind situation. You could see it on some of those kicks where the ball just went woof, uh, hook into the left on one side of the field. But, you know, I thought this was for the Packers again. They're 4 and 1, which is where they expected to be through 5 games, right in that range. And the but for Cincinnati, this one hurts a lot because I think it was an emotional, exciting uh win on Thursday night uh 10 days ago, but it was against obviously the Jaguars. Uh still there was a lot of excitement if you found a way to win this game and they came so close. Uh, they become one of the bigger stories in football. And I still think they can be because there's, there's a lot of exciting players on this team and they seem to be going in the right direction. But not being able to finish this could haunt them. It hurts. It was insane. I mean, the last two seasons, Crosby's missed only two field goals and then he missed three consecutive today. Like, that, it's like worth betting on him. But in this situation, it was, it was so wild. And I think it's we also important to, to... Well, right. I mean, you know, like having a hunch. Um, I also think it's important to note that Joe Burrow went to the hospital with like a constricted throat that he played through most of the game with that they're saying now. Like that's insane. Florio uh, reported on Football Night in America that they think it's not going to be a major issue. So that is good to hear. Although you you never know. It's still early, but it sounds like he's not going to spend too much time there and he'll be out. and, And that's great. And uh, it was the game. If we, you didn't hit this point already, that like man, Jamar Chase is special, and man, he attacks those balls. The the catch he made in overtime would have been what we led the entire show with. I think if McPherson had just hit that kick, because that he is coming up with a special player too now every week, and and justifying that draft pick and then some. Yeah, he's been really special, and and what he wants to be is what Devontae Adams is now. 206 yards on 11 catches. Uh, so Packers in a good spot. Bengals, very disappointing. Got some bad luck there. They will be okay, but they're not the story. Let's now move to the story here in England, the game that we were at here today. Going to hand the ball to Davis, and Mike Davis keeps driving toward the goal line and into the end zone. Mike Davis with 219 to play. Gets his first rushing score as a Falcon. West Durham, WZGC, with the call. The Falcons fly high over Great Britain. Mike Davis plunged in with a clinching score late in the fourth quarter, lifting Atlanta to a 27-20 win over the New York Jets at a loud and festive Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Yes, we were at the game. 
And I, you know, credit to the Falcons. They played a much better game than the Jets on both sides of the ball. On offense, they played better. On defense, they played better. When the Jets got back into the game in the second half, um, the Falcons answered with the scoring drive, uh, ended with the Mike uh, Davis uh, touchdown. So they just deserved the win. Frankly, 27-20 doesn't really tell the story of this game. The Jets were dominated in all phases. And, um, you know, I think two, the story of two quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, a guy who a lot of people see, including myself, and I think, Greg, you would, you would feel the same way. He's not the guy, same guy anymore. He's not the MVP-level talent anymore. But this game was a nice reminder that he is a very effective veteran quarterback. Uh, and when he's having a good day, like he was today, you could see how he's just in control of the action. And, you know, on the opposite side of that spectrum is Zach Wilson, who the Jets believed took a big step forward. And he did against the Titans in week four. But then you're reminded, oh, man, when you're when you're supporting a rookie quarterback, these things can happen. He struggled throughout the game, missing throws, looking a little bit spooked. And uh, that was the story of the game to me. The Jets couldn't stop Matt Ryan. Zach Wilson could not get it going. I mean, he threw some groaners. He threw some groaners last week, to be fair. He had more turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, against Tennessee than in any game this season. And he just hit the big plays. And that's what he's going to have to do to survive this rookie season. Because right now, he's lost. I mean, he's mentally... Not there. I think Dean Pease cooked him up. He's missing some pretty easy throws here and there. But I'm thinking of the biggest play that they had offensively was that pass interference, which was a you know a negative graded play by Zach Wilson. He he rolls out. He waits way too long uh, on the throw, and then he's a little underthrown uh, on that throw and gets the pi. But that's to me indicative where he's just processing so slow that the rest of the team can't make up for it. Defense playing fine. Special teams playing fine. The crowd's going crazy. I mean, the Falcons, they pretended like this is a home game for them. They they get one less home game in Atlanta this year. Uh, but the Jets crowd had to have been three or four to one. And when the Jets hit that two-point conversion to cut it to seven late in the game, it was rocking. It is really a Super Bowl atmosphere in London, which is so weird because it's, Jets Falcons or it's any regular season game where it's at a neutral site and and it's really that loud and it's kind it's kind of amazing the difference is when the Falcons score the touchdown coming back they cheer for that too because they just want yeah. some action and like yeah, that's good just, just like not that as loud stuff. and you know I thought as someone who has uh, been following football for 30 years and the Jets have not been to the Super Bowl in over 50 years so you can do the math there um, this felt like the closest I've ever been to the Jets in the big game. Uh, the vibe at the stadium was just so fun. And, you know, you had all the big banners everywhere and there's giant photos of Quinn and Williams and Jameson Crowder and Zach Wilson, of course, <laughs> on the walls. And also Falcons players Koo with a huge billboard and poster Youngway outside Koo. of a stadium. Imagine that. And I think, um, you know, I'll just say this. Anybody who's ever thought uh, and I'm not part of the tourism board. Uh, for England or on the payroll for the NFL. Actually, I am, but not not for this particular <laughs> reason. It is such a great vibe and a great environment to go to these games. Uh, so if I go the rest of my life um, uh, without ever having seen the Jets win the Super Bowl or go to a Super Bowl, I at least kind of got a vibe of what it's kind of like to be at the center of attention. There's only one game in town, and that was just a really cool cool thing to be a part of. So if your team is playing overseas and more teams will be in the uh, coming years, uh, according to some uh, changes and how they're going to do the scheduling, 
uh, get here if you can, because it really is a, a unique, fun experience. It's like the Super Bowl if uh, people just wear Matt Schaub, you know, jerseys or Ted Ginn jerseys <laughs> or James Del- Devlin jerseys or like Brandon Cooks on the Saints jerseys. You just see so many Bortles jerseys, literally three, at least four <laughs> Bortles jerseys. Like it just uh, is it's crazy, but it's also it's so pure. Everyone's in their seats like an hour before the game. Every yeah. everyone's staying in their seats till the very end, even when it's kind of over and staying in afterwards. It it's awesome. We got to meet so many cool people today too, which was which was so awesome. Like the atmosphere of the game was just so much fun being all together and being all together to see like a sold out stadium, you know, honor Chris like that was just like moving to tears and there were like you know high moments and and low moments where you know Zach Wilson hits his own player in the head with the ball and then there's another moment where Corderell Patterson like stiff arm punches someone so close to me and Greg that me and Greg start like fake punching each other in the air and then I think Greg you also chirped at like Young Way Koo and he threw his helmet didn't that happen I mean, to I like we were right there at, at Young Way Koo but yeah why did you do that Greg stay out of the action the Jets had a nice return so and I was just getting into the moment and it was just like, like, I don't even know, like, let's go or yeah, like, yeah, or so, something. And Young Way Koo is like storming past and he <laughs> threw his helmet. That was a bad Yeah, one. we were we were stationed right behind uh, the Falcons bench and we were doing live hits throughout the game on uh, Sky Sports with Hannah Wilkes, who's a, a great great woman. And we just, it was, uh, it was just great. It was a great experience, but I just, I mean, come on. I mean, Hey, Jets, how about this? How about you have a special setting here? You can't get us to the Super Bowl in 50 years, but how about we show up and get off the plane in this game? It's just, come on, why? When I get an entire week of people laughing and making Jets jokes about why are the Jets here, the Jets stink, you know, they're going to be so bad, they're going to be boring to watch. How about you show up and you put together an effort that gets people excited and makes people think what you want people to think, which is we're different now. Because all you did today was reinforce what everybody thought they already knew, which is you stink and you're not getting better. Mm. Bad job by the Jets today. Very frustrating to be there and watch it, uh, but didn't ruin my weekend. Almost did, though. Didn't. No. I feel like even no. like this whole podcast is almost uh, like the games for us was almost a side side event to everything that happened at the stadium. Yeah, the game so didn't matter. You... Get off the plane, Jets! Like, <laughs> you don't even have a first down. The The Falcons have, I think, 15 first downs. Like, all you Kyle, gotta do is Kyle compete. Pitts is nasty, though. He is so fluid, and he cannot be covered. Compete. And people that were waiting for him to break out haven't watched him play every week because those those catches that he's made every week in it's the past the have been amazing. I mean, he is a great player, Kyle Pitts. Uh, and he, the, he was overdue for a breakout game. That was fun. Just compete. Don't don't embarrass the Jets fans there that just want to be happy. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Let's move on. Oh, the Westlings locked up the Falcons. Good job by you guys. Oh yeah, we will. We will at the end of the show. I think we'll we'll talk about what what the rest of the day is like. We want we want to hit all the games too, and we'll, we'll oh. talk about Chris and everything at length at the at the end if you want. We to got it, that. Greg. And I locked up the the Packers. So. On the Bengals, so eat it, Wesseling Brothers. Let's move on. <laughs> a lot of, a lot the of lucky kicks. game was not secondary for me. A lot yeah. of lucky kicks have gone your way. Snap to Kyler. He throws a fake Got your lucky kick right here. Zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by D-Hop. 
D-Hop caught it with Josh Norman draped all over him trying to pull the ball away. They lift DeAndre Hopkins up in celebration after an incredible grab for a touchdown. There he is. Nuke had been a little quiet this year, at least since week one. Not today, late in the game. That was Dave Pash, KTAR, with the call. The Cardinals, they're 5-0 and for the first time since 1974. A big-time defensive performance in a 17-10 win over the Niners. Hopkins' nine-yard touchdown catch with 5-13 remaining. That was it. That gave him the win. That locked it up. And, Greg, this was Trey Lance's debut as a starter. Pretty up and down, maybe a little more down than up. And it's just, I guess, a reminder, again, and this isn't to, you know, get after Kyle Shanahan because he's in a tough situation, just like Robert Sala and, the, and Michael Floyd and the Jets are. You have a rookie quarterback. There's going to be growing pains. But they're not, this offense is not just going to flip a switch, I guess, no matter who's quarterbacking. They have a lot of work to do. And who is quarterbacking, according to Kyle Shanahan, is probably going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I read one quote from Shanahan and thought, oh, maybe he will stick with Lance after this because he said in this game, I thought Trey Lance played well enough to win and we didn't help him. And that's the type of thing you say about, you know, a guy that you want to keep going. But then he also said Jimmy Garoppolo's still going to be our starting quarterback when he's healthy and that he anticipated to be healthy coming out of their bye week. They're off next week. And so... I don't know. Kyle Shanahan, you never know what to trust out of him. But Trey Lance in the 49ers offense was kind of like the 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 anti-Chargers. They took the Chargers' attitude of always going for it on fourth down. They just never converted him. Four of their drives ended on downs, failed fourth down conversion. So they moved the ball pretty well. It didn't look like two uneven teams, and it felt like the, the game came down to those fourth downs, especially that, that stop on the goal line that was one of the better defensive plays we saw all day. Oh, that was a wonderful play, and it was the key play in the game. Lance rolls to his right, uh, makes a beeline for the pylon, and uh, he gets hit. It's like he hit a wall, uh, two Arizona defenders, and he crumples just short of the goal line. Uh, And obviously, uh, that played a major role in how this game turned out. Lance finished 15 of 29, 192 yards, one pick. He also led the team with 89 yards rushing. And I guess, listen, if, if the decision here is that Trey Lance, or Trey Lance, as he's known here in England, <laughs> uh, is just not ready. And Kyle doesn't doesn't feel like he could trust him even to run a basic game plan. Or or Kyle Shannon's like, I don't want to run my most basic game plan. I'd rather run it with Jimmy G, even if, even if Jimmy G isn't nearly as dynamic. I see that side of it, but uh, it's like you're trading one uh, low ceiling for another and if, if if you at least play Lance and give him the chance uh, they don't, to they get don't some reds, they they say Lance. We we've at, we asked. No, around, they don't remember. No, it's Trey Lance. <laughs> Trey Lance. Officially? It's officially. Uh, if if you at least give him a chance to get some reps, maybe that ceiling can. You goes give him up. a chance. Yeah, give him a chance. I, play Lance. I thought he would help the rest of the running what game. Time is it? Bust out one forty. Yeah, it's. Uh, he ran for 50 yards other than his run. He ran the ball 16 times. I mean, he is going to – that is a tough way to play quarterback. And, and he ran it for 86 yards. But the rest of the guys, they didn't get the running game going. All right. We're going to uh, take a break. And after we do, we're going to talk to Nick Shook. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shotgun snap. Baker rolling under pressure, escapes, heaves downfield. There is a scrum of players, and it falls incomplete. No flags. No flags. Oh, the bongos for one of the games of the year. Yes, it happens every once in a while. I remember it happened in Mexico City a couple years back. Two offenses that are high-powered kind of start getting on a roll and then the defenses just leave the building and you just start going back and forth and insanity ensues and that's what happened at SoFi Stadium on Sunday a 47-42 win for the Chargers over the Browns in a game in which uh, shook the go-ahead touchdown and what proved to be the game-winning touchdown was a touchdown that the Chargers didn't even want to score Austin Eckler was pulled into the end zone by the Browns Uh, Cleveland had one more chance uh, a little deliberate, I thought, overly deliberate on that last drive, uh, and I thought it cost them. Yeah, it cost them, and, and the drive prior cost them as well. You know, trying to hang on to a one-point lead after Tristan Vizcaino missed the extra point, and and playing not to lose, I think. Um, you know, not really getting aggressive, handing it off on it's first down. You know, throwing on second down, ill-fated pass, and then just basically conceding and handing it off on third down and punting the ball away. You know, the, the, there's a lot of um, consternation in Cleveland with their punter and how he's he's nicknamed the Scottish Hammer, but he, he doesn't boom punts like other punters do, and he didn't help him there. But it, it was more than that. This is a high-flying game. This is a game, like you said, where the defense has left the building. The Browns, a lot of their defense left via injury, and they were left with an undrafted free agent playing one corner. They had to move Troy Hill outside when he was signed to play slot corner. Um, and Justin Herbert carved him up. They had a couple blown coverages for long touchdowns to Mike Williams, and 
the fourth corner quarter was just an absolute explosion of points. You, you know, you couldn't look away because before you knew it, another team was in the end zone. In different methods, the Browns not one to hit the big play through the air necessarily, but they hit one to David Njoku. A crazy game. I think the leader for the game of the year so far. And um, one that tells you a lot, I think, about the Chargers and the state of the franchise with Justin Herbert in his second year. And a disappointing one for Browns fans, but they should also feel somewhat good about the fact that their offense put up 42 points. Dude, the Chargers had 26 points in the fourth quarter. The, the Browns <laughs> had 15 of their own. 26 yeah. plus 15, 26 plus 5, 41 points in one quarter. I mean, that, that, that does not happen very often. Wow. No, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't uh, in today's game, even though it's a pass-first league, you expect to see some more defense. It's funny because the Browns had allowed 20 points in the last 10 quarters going into this game, and and they got a stop on the first possession, and then they couldn't really do much <laughs> from there on out. I mean, Her- Justin Herbert's awesome. Uh, we all know this. He's incredible. Point, but, um, yeah, a, a lackluster performance from them on the defensive side of the ball. And, and when they had the ball, they trusted their running game. They rushed for 222 yards between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, that, that's that's pretty solid, but it wasn't enough to win a game. Right. It's crazy to not win a game where they run for that much, where they put up that many points. And it's just 300 yards from Baker, too. It's just Herbert stacking up his MVP case a little early for that. But he's certainly one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the league right now. And it's just a reminder, like I, I fall for it, too. After watching that Browns game on Game Pass, I thought against the Vikings, the defensive performance, I thought. That was the best defensive performance they've seen all season. And maybe the next best was the, the last Browns game. But great offense beats great defense. And I, I think losing Clowney, you know, before the game, but especially losing Denzel Ward, because I mm-hmm. think when you watch those last couple Browns games, to me, Denzel Ward brings that secondary together. He, he's a special cornerback who is playing at his best. And him being out suddenly – Okay, you're just the defense, and you know what? Just the defense can give up 40 points to the Chargers and end up losing this game. Yeah, at one point they also uh, lost Greedy Williams uh, down the stretch. It was in the fourth quarter. They were already without Greg Newsom, who wasn't available to play because of injury. Um, you know, these are these are guys. This is shades of last year's Browns with Andrew Sandejo giving up deep passes over the middle. Uh, it's just the difference was they lacked corners instead of lacking safeties this time around. And, Justin Herbert, you give him a ton of credit. I mean, he absolutely capitalized no matter who he was throwing to. But the biggest thing for me, and this is in watching the Chargers on Monday night last week and today, they're a different beast offensively when Austin Eckler is involved. And he was a key part of that offense today. So, you know, in the third quarter, I guess this would be early in the third quarter, the teams trade three punts in a row. Uh, Browns punt twice, Chargers sandwich a punt in there. And then from that point onward, you had Chargers touchdown, four plays, 61 yards, 129, uh, game clock. Browns touchdown, two plays, 78 yards, 42 seconds. Chargers touchdown, 11 plays, 75 yards, three minutes, 16 seconds. Browns touchdown, five plays, 75 yards, two minutes, 39 sec- seconds. Chargers touchdown, six plays, 75 yards, 130. And that's when Viscaino missed the extra point and shook. That is a excellent point you made to start as frustrating as it must be for you and our birthday boy mark sessler um when viscaino hooks that and he just gagged it he at 42 41 hooks it left i don't think there's any way the browns play it that safe obviously if it's 42 all but because they had the lead and i think stefanski in general has been brilliant for them he had a 700 winning percentage entering this game as head coach in two years 
But I think he kind of outsmarted himself. Or again, in a big moment, sometimes this happens, a coach kind of gets a little tight. Um, you couldn't play it that way, given everything I just laid out uh, in terms of the scoring. Uh, you can't give the Chargers the ball back. And what happens? Five yeah. plays, 48 yards, another touchdown in 31 seconds by L.A. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the previous drive, which they capped off with the Kareem Hunt rushing touchdown, I thought when they got the ball in their own territory, I said, well, there's about seven minutes left. If this is the Browns who have closed out a lot of victories in the last year, they're going to pound the run down the field, bleed clock, and give the ball back to the Chargers with two minutes or less and hope that the defense can hang on. And having that, um, you know, that was before the, the, the Chargers came down and tied it and then missed the extra point. And, and instead they go right down the field because the Chargers can't stop the run. So the question is, is, First off, why is Nick Chubb not on the field? Because the first handoff was to Kareem Hunt, and then the second one was a pass that Baker Mayfield, you know, it was an errant throw. It wasn't really an errant throw. It was just, it was well defended. And then the third down, they just basically conceded that they were going to punt on the next down by handing it off to Kareem Hunt. Uh, why is Nick Chubb not involved to try to, I mean, the guy finished with 87 rush yards over expectation. I mean, he's obviously breaking tackles and getting more out of a play than is expected. Why is he not on the field and involved? That's one of the questions you have to ask him. But really, above all, you got to be aggressive you, in, in a game where your defense is not showing up, and especially because it's hurt, you have to be aggressive and try and get a couple first downs and take more of that clock off, and they just didn't. Well, you, you got to get a stop on fourth down. To me, the fourth down story of the Chargers is the yep. story. Is That's that's their four and red one record. They're, they're three for three on fourth downs in this game, including one deep in their own end zone, late, you know, deep in their end, like the 40-yard line late in the game. Another one was a fourth and seven. It's not like it was a short fourth down. They get the P.I. on one. They convert another, and I still remember that OBJ drop on fourth down early in the game. And, and the Browns hit one, too, for a touchdown, but, like, it's just uncanny how many extra possessions and extra points the Chargers are getting off fourth downs this year. Yeah, they got That's a lot a of li- credit for being two very well-coached teams. A lot of people online after the Browns even pulled them into the end zone to you know let them score and try to get the ball back. You know, these are very two well-coached teams, two coaches that are on the forefront of thinking ahead. They're Twitter popular teams for sure. Yes, exactly. But ultimately. That was the difference. One team that likes to go, for, both teams like to go for it on fourth down. One team converted, the other one didn't. And uh, and that's what gave the Chargers extra opportunities that they converted into points. Now, Browns fans, of course, are going to make a big stink about uh, the, the PI that you mentioned. And I think it could have gone either way. It was kind of even hand, you know, pulling and everything else. If anything, it's a no call. That's fine. Hated that call. But guess what? Football games aren't won by one flag especially a game like this. So that's not going to determine the outcome of the game. Right. By the end of the fourth quarter, as frustrating as that was, and it was a very important call, it was still all there for the Browns, and and they got a little gun shy. And, you know, so the Chargers, they're 4-1, and and, uh, they they are on both sides of the ball. You know, if they put it together, they're going to be hard to beat. And I feel the same way about the Browns, Shooky. Even though the defense didn't show up, again, these things happen sometimes, and they are all beat up with injuries. But we're, we've seen, even though they're three and two, and now and they got the undefeated Cardinals up next, which will be a big test. We've seen how good they could be on offense. We've seen how good they could be on defense. If they could just put it together, look out. So I think as frustrating as this loss is, um, still the Browns are a team to reckon with. Um, let's move on. Brady drops, pressure coming, gets the pass, away, caught, ball 50, out of foot race to the 40, it's Antonio Brown to the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Tampa Bay, Antonio Brown takes it to the north end zone, fire the cannons. Dean Deckerhoff, WFUS with the call, Tom Brady threw for 411 yards and five touchdowns, he never did that before, does that seem impossible, he never did. 
405. While Antonio like exactly Brown. Exactly 405? I mean, or how does that 400 work? or more. Brady threw 400 for 400 yards with five touchdowns in the same game for the first time in his 22 year career. True story. Anyway, Antonio um, Brown continues to be a major playmaker, uh, and the Super Bowl champs route the Dolphins 45 17. Shook, uh, the Dolphins were hanging tight early in this game, uh, but then gravity took hold. Yeah, hanging tight actually through the start of the fourth quarter and gave up a four-net touchdown run. And then from there, I kind of sat back and chuckled because as soon as the Buccaneers got the ball back, they were not taking their foot off the gas. It was to the point where I was like, they're they're just disrespectful with how they have no fear uh, in in an opposing team's ability to come back. You think they were showing up the Dolphins? Is that what you're saying? No, no, not at all. I don't think it was that. I just think that they're a team that succeeds by throwing the ball, and they were succeeding at a very high level, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, it— they had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Two of them were touchdown passes to Mike Evans of 22 yards or more. It was 22 and 34. Um, they couldn't be stopped through the air, so I couldn't blame them at all for continuing to air it out. But it showed you their explosiveness. It started with Antonio Brown, like you mentioned. He looked as good today as he, he has great. since his Pittsburgh days. His first catch uh, was a 62, or his first touchdown catch was a 62-yard touchdown uh, reception where he basically caught it at the numbers, broke outside by two defenders, and just outran them to the end zone. I mean, it looked like there was a jetpack strapped to his back. He just burned everybody down the sideline. And that kind of tells you who this offense is um, in terms of explosion. Because you know what you get in Tom Brady. You have somebody who is a master of pre-snap reads and get the ball out uh, on time to open guys. And when you leave them open, now these, this is a defense that has two good corners in, in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Made them look like it was nothing. The second touchdown pass to Antonio Brown was a hard slant out of a trips bunch set where he just they basically ran Xavier Howard through traffic, and all he had to do was hit Antonio Brown in the chest for a touchdown, and of course he's going to catch it. Uh, a complete performance from them, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Brady looking as good as ever, even at his advanced age. And this was, you know, after two weeks of a little bit of concern about their offense. You know, they can't keep pace with the Rams. They struggle to put up points in the rain in Foxborough. What's going on with the Buccaneers? Nothing. They just needed some nice weather and an ability to run away <laughs> with the game in the fourth quarter at home. I, I, I think they just got to be, you know, in a good situation. They were at home today. This was the most, like, 20, 20 bucks-like game especially uh, that, of any they've played. Because that this is who they were last year. It was just kind of tread water for much of the game, and then, bam, you score 21 in the fourth or you score 17 in the second they just go avalanche when they go uh big and the dolphins are now sitting here at one and four and i know no one expected them to win this game but they are 31st in yards and points scored in yards gained and they're 30th in points you know uh, allowed and 30th in yards allowed so they are objectively one of the worst teams in the nfl and and it really is a warning it's tough for these defensive coaches who are trying to build teams around their coverages and their and their defenses because when that starts to not work you got nothing left i know they get Tua back next week they're coming over here to london but henry hodge and our buddy was worried that he was going to be in the same situation that dan was uh after a, a a difficult london defeat thinking like what where is this season going yeah, I, yeah. you know I, I give a lot of credit for Jacoby Brissett for playing through that injury, but this is basically who they're going to be. Even with Tua coming back, I, I don't really see them taking a big step forward when they have the football. Now, they were in this game, and you give them credit for that. They were competitive until the fourth quarter, but ultimately, I haven't seen a performance from them that tells me that you know, they had that close one against the Raiders, and that's great, but like I haven't seen a performance from them that tells me that, that they're a legit contender or that they're going to get anywhere near where they were last season. So... 
it, you're right. It's it's tough to to kind of, you know you, you think that they don't get after the quarterback that much. Well, they actually Tom Brady was under pressure a decent amount today, but he was just they really good under pressure. And, and right. so it, it, you know, it, it, there's not a lot to say other than that you hope that they turn around and start heading upward. But it, it's yeah, been a tough stretch a, for them. I don't really hope. That's fine. The Dolphins <laughs> keep losing too. A misery enjoys company. <laughs> Um, all right, so the Dolphins needed a win. They didn't get it. The Pittsburgh Steelers needed a win. Did they against the Broncos? Let's check it out. Bridgewater counts, gets the shotgun snap. He's back on fourth down, throws it for the end zone. Intercepted! And that is Jake Pierre! And the Steelers intercept on fourth the down. The play is an interception by the defense. First down, Pittsburgh. And they've secured their victory, a much-awaited victory. Bill Hillgrove with the call, WDVE, the Broncos. You know, they were down by 18 in the fourth quarter, but then Teddy Bridgewater and the offense got hot. But James Pierre stepped up with 11 seconds to play. End zone interception. Steelers fans exhale. Steelers exhale. You are back in the win column. 27-19, three-game losing streak over. And uh, shook the uh, good vibes around the Broncos start. Now starting to get some clouds above mile high. They are now three and two. Um, it looked like uh, in a little bit of the game that I saw here, shook that uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the offense made some strides here. Yeah, they finally woke up. Uh, I mean, the Broncos wish they had woken up before the fourth quarter, but the Steelers had some life for the first time offensively all season. You know, the, the, we talked about in the last four weeks that they haven't been able to score more than 17 points offensively in a game. They hit that at halftime today. Uh, it started with another long touchdown pass from Ben Roethlisberger to Deontay Johnson, and it continued from there. And it's funny because as I was watching this game, I thought, man, he's really getting the ball out quickly. You know, he's not really hanging on to it. He's not giving his offensive line a lot of time to screw up and get him sacked or, you know, force a turnover. And then I looked up the time to throw stats, next gen stats. Ben Roethlisberger's the fastest when it comes to time to throw in the entire league over the course of the season. So he's been getting the ball out quickly. It's just a matter of they haven't really got anywhere with it. Well, today they got somewhere with it. He had over 250 passing yards. Get it out quickly when you throw it two yards to Najee Harris every day. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Najee Harris had a good game, by the way. His first, like, legitimately strong game, I think, in his career. I saw that. Him and Claypool. Yeah, well, that's and that's the difference, too, is Chase Claypool and Ben Roethlisberger finally found their connection that they had, that they rode to that hot start last year. I felt like I was back in week six of last season watching them today. He hit Uh, him on multiple attempts, long completions. He ended up with five catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown over the middle was key because it it almost looked like the dagger, and I guess it ultimately did because the Broncos didn't finish off that comeback attempt. But uh, it was just really encouraging from the Steelers' point of view because – this is an offense that's been very stuck in the mud, and they weren't today. They they looked a lot like they did last year, and it gives you a little bit of uh, hope that if they can sustain this, they have a good enough defense to be in most games. If they can sustain this enough to just put up 27 points or so in a game, then they might end up winning more games than, than we thought a week ago. It's just a matter of doing that consistently. And, and it also, you call into question... You know, who did the Broncos play in the first three weeks of the season? I know that they were even aware of that. Von Miller even said, hey, you know, we know what the schedule is, and, and now it turns into playoffs, and they're going into that Ravens game, and ultimately they didn't play very well in that game. So it's like, well, our opinion of the Broncos on the, on the defensive side of the ball, was it a little too inflated uh, based on what we've seen from them in the last two weeks? That could be true. I know the Steelers capitalized on that today. So it's a little bit of let's wait and see. 
but it's better for the Steelers now at two and three than it would have looked if they were one and four going into next week. Did your opinion of Denver change at all, Shook, uh, between where they're at now and where they were a couple weeks ago? Uh, a little bit, just because I wasn't really sure who the Broncos were. I mean, I know, I know, Greg, number one leader on the on the Teddy bandwagon. I mean, they're missing. They're, that. they're not who they want to be. They're missing seven or eight starters. They got to survive this dip and get yeah. people back, or they're not. They're too ordinary. They, yeah, and they exactly. did. They got they got some of their offensive line back. I mean, I I didn't take much out of that Steelers thing. They're going to have some variance offensive days. They were also lucky. You, you said like Roethlisberger got the ball out of his hands. He had one of the most ghastly fumbles I've had. All, uh, he's had all season holding the ball too long. He also hand delivered a terrible interception in the red zone where they ended up getting a touchdown and the Broncos just dropped it. He, he put it right in Alexander Johnson's yep. arms and if he catches yep. that pass and it's a different game and in, in the last couple of weeks they, they've been catching those Roethlisberger passes and this time they dropped it and they end up getting a touchdown a couple of plays later after a penalty. Hey, um, Graver, can you jump in a second? I just noticed now, Greg, that, you know, we're having Gravedigger um, join the show uh, to do the Sunday Night Football recap uh, with Shook, but they've never met before, so this is like one of those great <laughs> experiments in chemistry, and we just got to we just got to hope it all goes for the best. If you guys want to exchange pleasantries right now ahead of the recap coming up later tonight, Greg, uh, Eric, and myself will get out of the way. <laughs> hey, hey, Graver, I'm Nick. Uh, I'm the bald guy on the screen, and looking forward to doing Sunday Night with you. Hopefully, it goes as well as it did for the Steelers today. Huh. We'll see. Hey Nick, big fan, longtime <laughs> listener of this first show. So, yeah, not maybe not the first time, but you know, excited to do Sunday night with you. You can't, you can't, you can't create that chemistry in a lab. Yeah. That's just natural, baby. Get ready, Chiefs Bills coming up later. Uh, Shook, thank you, buddy, uh, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the pond. All right, thanks. That was like right. a, a really bad Tinder date or something. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Prescott in the gun. They blitz him. Prescott throws it down the right side for Lamb. Caught it! 10-5! Dancing in! Touchdown! They need a play. There's a play. Brad Sham, the Sham God, with the call for KRLD. Dak Prescott threw for three touchdowns. One day before the anniversary of that ankle injury, in the same building against the same team, the Cowboys ride strong, and they ride on 44-20 over the season. But talk about injuries. Look, uh, listen, attrition is part of the NFL. It sucks, but it's true, and the Giants know all about it. Saquon Barkley steps on um, the foot of another player at the conclusion of a play when he's looking the other direction, and it blows up so incredibly quickly on the sideline that he's carted off. And I think there might be a Ricky, if you could check, I thought I saw maybe an update pop up, but I didn't get a good look at it. He's out of the game. Daniel Jones gets knocked out uh, late in the first half, literally um, concussed on a uh, scramble uh, where he got up woozy, really a scary moment. Kenny Galladay also leaves with a knee injury. So a game that was 10-10, uh, after Mike Lennon comes in and hands off on fourth and inches at the goal line to tie the game, um, the Cowboys go right down the field to pull ahead 17-10. And then you kind of knew, Greg, what was going to happen after that with the Giants as decimated as they are and with the Cowboys as good as they are at Jarrah World, it turns into a blowout, 
Yeah, like the let Glennon cook uh, philosophy didn't really pay off. They scored 10 points in the second half. What are you going to do? It's just so crazy how big of a difference there is between one and four and two and three. The Steelers, like at two and three, you're like, okay. We, they, you know, they, they could stay around with the Patriots at two and three. It's like, okay, like at least the Giants at one and four and because of these injuries just feels like everything from last week is totally erased. And then some God, Kadarius Tony, like the one guy who popping off the screen and you see that burst with him today, he ends up getting kicked out of the game late because of fighting uh, and he gets hurt in the game and was seen on a cart afterwards too. So he's hurt too. He, who knows? He might be suspended for next week's game. And it suddenly just feels not like the lights are out for Joe judge or anything, but that if the giants come back to be relevant this year, that would, that would be a big surprise. So here's the situation with the NFC East and how it's different from last year. Uh, Last year, even before Dak went out with that ankle injury, the Cowboys were kind of a mess. They they couldn't get a stop on defense, and, and they were in a tough spot. And you just knew that when it came down to it, seven or eight wins was going to win that division, and everyone else was going to be below 500, and that would be it. And that's how it played out. Now we, don't, we know that's not how the East is going to play out, barring another injury to the Cowboys. Um, they are going to be a team that we you, it appears now, I mean, five games into the season, this looks like a 10-12 the Maybe defense carried them for most of team. this game. Like, yes. Like Daniel they Jones are... was one for eight. Like even before Daniel Jones left, he finished five for 13 and they're getting pressure. Like they're, they're a legitimately good defense, a better than average defense. And even if they're average. Trayvon Diggs had another pick. He's up to six in five games, maybe seven. And, and he is a defensive player of the year candidate. And like the, the chargers, when things are clicking, like the Browns, when things are clicking, the Cowboys are now out of nowhere in that category. Not at the, they don't have maybe the the uh, the peak defensively. The Bills I'll throw in there as well as another team that has really big days on both sides of the ball. Uh, the Bucks, of course, as well. Like the Cowboys, maybe you could say it's a little premature to say they're that team, but they are putting it up week after week. Uh, big performances on both sides of the ball, and uh, you know I think that if you're a Cowboys fan, you are feeling very good about this division, and if you're a Giants fan. Because there's no uh, path to the division title, most likely, you're going to have to go on an incredible winning streak at some point, and nothing tells you that this Giants team is going to do that. Every year, you know, I used to write the the debrief, the Sunday night sort of recapping the week. Or what happened to you that? You see this? I think there's some version of it now, but I, I stopped doing it. I don't even know. They're not using that name, but every year it's like one one of the Sundays. the The headline of it would be like Separation Sunday. You know, it's like, this is where the divisions were decided and separated. Like, today was separation Sunday. Like, the NFC West is over. It's separated. Three game, you know, a couple game lead there. The, the I mean, the, uh, the East, a- NFC yeah. East. The NFC West, though, kind of had a separation Sunday, too. We talked about coming into the week where the Rams and Cardinals have really pulled ahead. Like, it, it totally matters what the teams in your division are doing. And the rest of the NFC East has to feel pretty hopeless right now. You got Definitely. that, Ricky? Just out. Yeah, just out. Barkley has a low ankle sprain, so he's likely out for next week. That just popped against up. The, against the Rams. So right. Daniel Jones, we'll see. He's in the concussion protocol. Um, all their receivers, all sorts of banged up, and Barkley is out. So this, sound, this looking he like a layout. Because they couldn't the run the ball from one yard out in the two plays before that, and so they had to use him running, and he got a little, he got a little too aggressive on that. Brutal. All right, let's take a break and then we will keep moving on. 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from prime tears. <laughs> prime tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hertz is back. He gives it, he keeps it, and he runs in. He fakes to Sanders, and he runs in for the touchdown, and the Eagles take their first lead of the game. How you feeling right now, Greg? Uh, like I could be doing a better job, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Like We're doing our best, out. people. It is 2 o'clock in the morning in London, and we've been awake. Ricky, I think we've been awake on average about 18 hours a day for five straight yeah. days. So We're doing yeah. the best we can. We hope it's okay, everybody. Um, Lift up the pull back the curtain for a second. I just heard them say, like, deep pass to Josh Gordon, and I was like, I must be hallucinating with the Sunday night football <laughs> game on in the background. I did, like, oh I, and God. I miss Shook being on because I ordered room service right before we started. It arrived uh, while the show was on, and with Shook here, I could hit mute and just kind of chop And you were bending over, eating your sandwich <laughs> below the desk. Yeah, like, yeah, I didn't want you guys to have to look at me move <laughs> Greg missed Shook being on because he fell asleep during that 24-minute part of the program, <laughs> but now we're all awake again. Uh, Meryl Reese with the call, WIP. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. So oh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, uh, <laughs> he ran for <laughs> ran for two second half touchdowns on Sunday. The Eagles wipe out a 12-point deficit, beating the Panthers 21-18. Uh, so it, the Eagles snap a three-game losing streak. Good for Connie. You know, we're not we're not the only ones grinding. Connie had to be in a makeup chair at 2 a.m. for Christ's sake uh, yeah. this morning to do the pregame for uh the London game here. Uh, what a woman. But, uh, yeah, so, Greg, in addition to – so the two 3-0 teams – And then she got to pe- go home and, you know, relax. And when oh, yeah. Colleen and relaxes. Me, oh, she's relaxed right now. That's all that needs to be said. Um, so the two teams, Greg, uh, that 
we entered week four. Hey, like, don't oh, talk about my podcast partner like that. Split ends podcast. Check it out. Okay. Um, <laughs> the two teams, the Panthers and the Broncos, 3-0. Eh, what's going on? Those teams are both 0-4 now combined since 21-18. That's a tough loss for the Panthers. A bad beat, as they say. I like that, though. I like more 2-3 and three and 3-2 three and two teams. I like don't want to cross teams out. I don't want teams that are kind of mediocre like Carolina to get two ahead of their skis and be 4-1. and one. So it feels like these two teams, you know, reaching the level it's that kind they of should be at. It's an interesting way to look at it, but I, I agree with you. I see what yeah, you're Yeah, I just kind of like, like keeping as many teams as interesting as possible. And one of the moments of the day for me is Jalen Hurts scoring that touchdown and doing the Cam Superman in Carolina. I'm sure he oh, was a Cam so fan. Great. I don't know that, but who couldn't, you know, I'm sure he was a Cam fan. Who wouldn't be? Uh, and to do that there after, a, you know, a really rough day for Hertz, where at one point I think he had thrown 20 passes for about 35 yards. But his defense, which, you know, looks a lot better when you're not playing the Chiefs and the Cowboys, kept him in it all game. Hargrave and Fletcher Cox both had big days. And Carolina and Sam Darnold give the ball away three times, three interceptions, and in that Eagles defense keeps it close, and eventually they've hit some of their big plays that they're always trying. Yeah, this is a game that I think both Greg and I have to get closer eyes on, but uh, Sam Darnold, 21 nope, of 37. I've got it, got it totally figured out. <laughs> I really nailed this game. There's like a glow to you, actually. Like the <laughs> like all the information is like coming out of your head. <laughs> Sam Darnold, 21 of 37, 177, touchdown, three picks, averaging... 4.8 yards per attempt. That's way below the Gabbard zone. Jalen Hurts, not much better in terms of uh, yards per attempt at 5.4. But, uh, you know, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be with the Panthers and Christian McCaffrey. By that, I mean, don't ask Darnold to carry you because that's not really who he ever was. And I don't think that's who he's going to be. But he could absolutely be effective. Uh, but he's going to need more help. Chuba Hubbard did a nice job. He went for 100 yards in relief for Christian McCaffrey, who you would think is going to be back soon now because he practiced uh, this week leading into the game. But they need McCaffrey back uh, because he is the center. Without it, it just doesn't hold that offense. No. they Their offensive line is giving up a lot of sacks. 11, I think, in the last three weeks. Darnold's down to six touchdowns, six interceptions on the season. He's fumbled the ball a lot. Like The, the warts are showing a little bit, and I, they need to play a little bit better up front. Speaking of the warts are showing, the Raiders. Play fake, Fields rolling, it was right. Hit as he delivers into the end zone. Touchdown, Jesper Horsted. Touchdown, Bears. <laughs> Horsted. What did he say, desperate horses? Jester, Jesper Horsted. What a name. Desperate what a Housewives. <laughs> desperate Housewives on Netflix. <laughs> Justin Fields threw his first career touchdown pass. Congratulations, young man. The Bears defense falling out here. Shut down the Raiders offense 20 to 9. The Bears with the dub. Uh, Derek Carr, he manages 206 yards. That's two straight losses for the Raiders. The first time they've ever lost people in the fans, uh, people in the stands at Allegiant Stadium. Um, so. Let's talk Bears here, Greg, because um, Justin Fields, it couldn't have started any worse, obviously, um, his first uh, action. But now we're starting to see some incremental gains. And meanwhile, Chicago's defense saying, hi, remember us? 
um, we might be able to keep this team in some games, and maybe we got something cooking here. How about that? They've, they've been pretty good this season, this Bears defense. I think they've been underrated. They've been top 10 DVOA throughout. They, they held the Bengals down. Uh, they kept the Browns in check for most of that game, and here they come. Sean Desai, you know, uh, a trailblazer, the first coordinator of uh, Indian descent uh, to get this job, a Fangio, Fangio yeah, disciple. Bro. And uh, he's done a good job, and and I think for the Raiders, you know, as good as the Bears' defense is and as, as encouraged to have a day like this where you can't score touchdowns at all, that, that's just not who they need who they're going to be they're just they can't be a defensive team the Raiders like it, it is a a big problem after the week that John Gruden has had to put up a performance like this and then a bunch of the reporters you know get stuck in an elevator and can't even ask him questions after the game it's just like suddenly all the good feelings from literally seven days ago are totally gone in Las Vegas yes that was it. and then at the bottom of the elevator it was Mike Mayock with a giant scissor cutting the wires <laughs> to the elevator uh, but some people did actually ask Yes, uh, yes, John Gruden about uh, the controversial email that had some uh, derogatory racist language connected uh, uh, to DeMora Smith, uh, the head of the Players Union, uh, and Gruden very uncomfortable uh, answering the questions. Here's a snippet of uh, that presser. You know, I'm not going to answer all these questions today. I think I've addressed it already. Uh, I can't remember a lot of the things that transpired 10 or 12 years ago, but um, I stand here uh, in front of everybody apologizing. I know I'm not, uh, I don't have an ounce of, of racism in me. I'm a, a guy that takes pride in leading people together. And I'll continue to do that for the rest of my life. And again, I apologize to D. Smith and anybody out there. So Gruden now joins the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, uh, with off the field controversies of their own making. And, um, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk reported on NBC Sunday night that the league will be, um, you know, doing a, a meeting of some kind on Monday to talk about what happens next here with Gruden, but it probably won't end with a suspension. And then in that same telecast, Tony Dungy first, um, and then um, Mike Tirico, his former Monday Night Football partner, both went to bat for Gruden uh, defending the man uh, and his character. Uh, so, you know, it is uh, a tough situation here, uh, and Gruden has no one to blame but himself. Very stupid. Right, and I don't I don't know. Hearing Tariko talk about it, it's disappointing. I'm it, it, it put, If you're John Gruden, you've put people in a, in a difficult spot, and I'm not talking about Tariko and, and Dungy or whatever, but I think a lot of people who know how Tariko worked with her are, are rolling their eyes at that. You know, you know what he said was Demora Smith has the lips the size of Michelin tires, and the the apology that he put up, trying to explain it, almost gaslighting people into thinking oh, that he didn't say what he said when he obviously said exactly what he said, and that really I don't think he's gone out of his way to own it. He's he's sort of like kind of apologizing, and he's using that line. I don't have an ounce of racism in me, which is always a red flag if you hear that. And he can think that that too much is being made out of it or he can not, but he's got to make sure that his players, his locker room full of majority black men um, 
understand what he's saying and respect it. And they're getting asked questions about it, and they're giving no comments on it sometimes, like in Yannick Gakwe tonight. So it's 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 hard to know where that's going to go. Um, but it's it's not as simple as the Urban Meyer thing to me. To me, the Urban Meyer thing is more of a joke. And this, we'll see. We'll see what kind of impact it has with Gruden going forward. Yeah. And it just, where you see the Raiders are now and where they were 10 days ago or whatever it was, um, it is night and day. Uh, they went from 3-0 and on top of the world to now 3-2 and with a very ugly situation involving the head coach and a lot of unanswered questions about what happens next. Never a dull moment with the silver and black. Let's move on. Snap, spot, Joseph, excellent leg. Get up there and yes! It is good! <laughs> I want to thank Paul Allen, who's been sleeping in his bed for about nine hours, I think, at this point, for really pumping some life into the show here at uh, 2.20 in the morning, KFAN, with a beautiful call there. Yes, Greg Joseph. Only two Gs in that, Greg. Greg. Not enough. With three Gs. Uh, but a big victory for the two G Gregs today. A 54-yard field goal as time expired. Vikings 1917 win avoid catastrophe against the Lions in their own building uh, a game in which the Vikings lost a 10 point lead with less than three minutes to play to the Lions I mean the Viking what a sometimes this organization and this comes from the fan of a ridiculous organization sometimes the Vikings are just ridiculous and that's what happened here but to their credit Kirk Cousins got the ball back uh, with limited time, got them in field goal position. And Greg Joseph, the same Greg Joseph, he him Joseph, um, far and away, 1992. Um, the same Greg Joseph who missed the, the gimme to cost them the game in week two against the Cardinals, now saves their ass in a huge spot here. So even Steven. Uh, and after the game, Greg, Dan Campbell. Gosh, the Lions. I know, I know the Lions aren't going anywhere. We all know that. But they're trying to build something, and they've come so close now to a couple wins and getting their hearts ripped out. And Campbell, a hulking man, a colossus. He's like 6'4", 260, all muscle and might, uh, reduced to tears at the podium after the game. Let's listen in. When you you see your players give all that they have and, uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. You know, you don't want that for them. So, um, but we'll be better for it, you know. And there again, credit Minnesota, but, um, you know, we we made the one mistake that cost us, you know. And uh, and so, ultimately, you know, it uh, we, didn't, we didn't do enough to win. But I was proud of them, and I love the fight they have in them. Ton of support, oh. Greg, for Campbell after the game. I, I mean, which you love it. You love the passion. This is sports. That's what it's all about. But it's a bit of a high water, high wire, emotional act in Detroit uh, for Dan Campbell. Um, I hope he's doing okay. I hope it doesn't wear out the team eventually because there's just a lot of emotions going on in Detroit. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a tough loss. You just think of the way they've lost games, and you think of how much like Dan Campbell and that team has put in 
you know, since OTAs, mini camp, and now the course of the season. And it's like if at the end of our day, Dan, here, you know, however long it's been, like right at the end of our podcast, someone just like comes over to us. And it's just like, loser, you're a big loser. You get nothing out of everything you've done this week. It and deleted really the whole show. Yeah. We, <laughs> right. We didn't tape the whole show. Maybe that's the equivalent. You, you are I'm going up this, this window, by the way, if anything got deleted here. There is no re-recording. The oh, podcast never. is over at that Never moment. again. Never. It's, no show for the rest of time. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, my immediate reaction was like, what are you doing, Vikings? Like, to have a 10-point lead, to, not, to only put up 19 points on this line's defense, the way they've played and all the pieces that they're missing. And I, I go to look like, okay, what did Detroit actually do to, to make this comeback? And their second half possessions are like interception, one first down punt, three and out, two first downs punt, loss of downs uh, on like a four and out basically. And then they moved the ball 39 yards and 20 yards because Madison fumbled the ball to set up that thing. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And the Vikings to Kirk Cousins credit really pulled it out of their ass because they had the ball at the 18 yard line with 39 seconds to go. That's less likely than what Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams did against the 49ers a couple weeks ago. That is a tough situation to even get a field goal attempt and they got it. So you got to give Kirk a little bit of credit. And let's give, I mean, you cut, Justin Tucker doesn't play till tomorrow night. And if you cut to the kicker club, he was in there and he was waiting for people to join him in the kicker club. And there's nobody there because the kicker stunk today. They miss 11 uh, PATs, they're missing field goals. It's a whole disaster. That's, I guess that's what's playing in the kicker club. And Greg Joseph walks in and he says to Justin, you're not alone, dude. I'm with you. Next Gen Stats said that there was a 42.6 percentage. Erica, we're trying to close this show. We're trying to take this to the finish line, baby. Well, it was a very hard kick to make, and I'm really excited (laughs) that he made it. It was really fun to watch. Joseph made four field goals, including a career-best 55-yarder. But we'll finish. uh, What was the next Jets? No, Uh, That was rude. I'm sorry. No, it's basically exactly what you just said. It's exactly what you just said. You just summed it up. No, I was. That was rude. I'm a little. No, bit, it's okay. I have a, it's two thirty. I have a club sandwich waiting for me. It's like the first real meal um, that that I've had since the morning. Waiting. Uh, they had this. Uh, listen, England is many things, but one thing it is not is a place that offers really good food in the uh, media room. The the duck wrap sandwich didn't quite hit the hit the, uh, <laughs> the old spot for the old Zeuser. Uh So. I've been subsisting on uh, things we could find like under tables and in bags, uh, basically foraging like wild animals. Uh, that club sandwich is calling my name, and I'm starting. We to get only a got little... three more games. We've got it. Just that I just want to again apologize for cutting you off. Oh, Your next cool. gen stat was essential and trenchant, but Daddy's I hungry. It. Daddy's tired. Daddy's ready to get on the plane. Well then, Dan, you're gonna you're gonna love that we're gonna take another break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, thirty-seven minutes later, because you pay the water bill, so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day, and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Takes the snap. Now he's going to run up the pocket, climbing. Now he's going to throw it deep into the end zone. It's going to be a jump ball. Marquez Callaway is there, and I think he's got it. It looks like Marquez Callaway came down with a jump ball. New Orleans Callaway, touchdown. Michael Thomas, who? (laughs) Mike Haas with the call. WWL, yes, a Hail Mary. It's one of Jameis Winston's, yeah, Greggy, four touchdown passes. He also had two kind of grim turnovers. That's just what it's all about with Jameis. Uh, Saints beat the football team 33 22 so they're able to greg move on while the giants are unable to build on what happened at the superdome last week their big comeback win the saints now move away from that game in a positive way they do and yet i can't help but thinking has any quarterback ever played worse in two games where he's combined for nine touchdowns than Jameis Winston in like week one in here. Not that he played bad in week one. He played great. He played fine, but like he didn't have to do too much in this game. And I'm going to watch it closer. Had a lot of iffy uh, Jameis moments, which again led to Sean Payton playing a little conservative, punting on fourth and two, playing to his defense. And you know what? When you have this defense uh, against Taylor Heineke, uh, making mistakes in the red zone, and when it gets constricted, Marshawn Lattimore and the gang, like, they know how to cover. They know how to swap off uh, wide receivers. Playing to your defense sounds pretty smart. They made, they got the takeaways they needed, and they ended up walking away, handing it to AK-41. We saw a lot of Camara jerseys uh, in the stadium today, and uh, he, he ends up with over 140 and two touches, and that's their recipe. They just got to get a little better at it. On the other side of the running backs, um... Tough stat line for Antonio Gibson. Well, I shouldn't say that. He had two touchdowns, but 20 carries for 60 yards. You don't see that a lot. That The old 20 for 60 in a big <laughs> spot. Uh, and Taylor Heineke, he's he going to need help because, uh, you know, he's an up-and-down type player. And, yeah, he completed less than half of his passes, had the two picks. Um, yeah, I still, you know, this is nice. I'll be, you know, looking closer, more closely at this game as well, Greg. Uh, but 
they're in a good spot here now because they got watched. They took care of business against Washington here, who still can't seem to figure it out in a defense. I guess they just have a bad defense. Um, now they get to go to Seattle to face Geno Smith, Greggy, who um, we did our Thursday night recap, and it was unclear at that time what was going on with G- going on with Russell Wilson. But now we know that ruptured tendon. Uh, that Wilson suffered in Thursday night's loss to the Rams uh, required surgery, and he could be out anywhere from four to eight weeks, it sounds like, and maybe closer to six. So it's Gino time, baby. A lot of sipping on vino, and I know you're worried about it. Well, yes, we're going to be changing the name to, of this pod to the Gino Pod. That's pretty much what we're going to be focused on. Me, my journey with Gino, uh, primarily. He's got to play the Steelers defense. He's got to play the Saints defense. I mean, he drew uh, two of the better groups, uh, and he doesn't have a lot with them. Uh, but that's what the preview pods are going to be for in Gino. That sounds class. like when uh, I was going to say. It sounds like when. The guys from NSYNC started splintering off, but not not the Timberlake split off. Split off. They're like the JC Chazé solo project, where it's just the Gino <laughs> pod. The just that would that that might be cool, like a limited series where I just we just really tackle the Gino Smith uh, in for <laughs> Russell Wilson era and ends as soon as Russ is back. We might be on to something. I know iHeart's just giving podcasts away at this point, so let's ouch. Do it. Greg. <laughs> oh, wow. Getting a dig in at 4.30 in the morning. Let's move on. Third down and six from the 13. Shotgun snap to Jones with a four-man rush. Throws it to the end zone. Open yeah. Henry. Sliding grab. Touchdown, Patriots. Bob Sochi with the call. No Zolak. Guess he's asleep, too. Mac Jones. Quietly, I like Mac Jones' rookie year so far for the Pats. It hasn't been all roses, but he's certainly been more consistent than a lot of these rookies, including mine. Anyway, Jones led the uh, the Pats to a uh, touchdown drive to tie the game. Nick Folk then booted a 21-yard field goal, 15 seconds to play. The Pats survive against the Texans, 25-22. And uh, Ricky, I know you had eyes on this one because you are – the resident diehard Patriots fan, let's face it. And uh, you weren't feeling too good, but they really did put it together, it seemed, uh, in the second half. Yeah, I mean, if I told you that, like, a quarterback was going to throw an 11-yard touchdown, a 67-yard touchdown, and a 37-yard touchdown, would you be like, oh, yeah, Davis Mills? <laughs> like, the way yeah, that he it... Had, like, his passer rating dwarfed, like, any other quarterback's passer rating against the Patriots this year, which is just, like, a go-figure type uh, situation, but I, mean, I gotta he, give. I gotta, it had to have been I the gotta, best box score any rookie quarterbacks had in a game this year. Yeah. Just pure yeah. box score. Go figure. And the, you know, to the Patriots' credit, Ricky, they had four of their five offensive linemen were out of this game, and I know it's the exact opponent yeah. you want in that situation, but they were able to step up their reserves and uh, take this one home and kind of stay in the playoff mix early here. Yeah, I mean the the you know the momentum. Sorry, Claybond shift really happened when the Texans like set up this weird punt formation. Like they were gonna almost go for it, but then they didn't, and then he was like too close to his coverage. So he you know um, to to like his um, what am I trying to say protection right? And he kicked the ball. And they like blocked their own punt essentially, and so then <laughs> you the, never that's then not the, what you want. You never want to block. Yeah, I know your own punt. it was. It was horrible. So like they're like this, the zero yards like punt, 
Um, but the Pats went and scored on their next three possessions, and that's basically what won the game. And, and, and as far as that, like, it's a it's a reason it's buried so low in this in this game. The Pats like ended up winning it out, but I don't think it was from anything like super impressive. I mean, did this game even happen? It's like the Patriots. I couldn't tell you. Texans. <laughs> They got here's who's on the call today: Catalan and James Lofton. I mean, it's really, it's really on my radar. What are you saying? Just, what are you saying? What you have been saying, Dan, that they are just another team is is being borne out week after week with with the broadcast assignments. Who Catalan and like, the other guy? I'm just saying they're <laughs> getting picked the lower. They're, they're having announcers that haven't done a Patriots game in a long time. What if like, we all in, try in, to go to a, go to sleep at the same time, like right now? Like if we go to <laughs> one, two, three. Everybody close their eyes. Let's see if we all fall asleep. Don't. If I close my eyes, oh. I'm out. It's game over. It's they did game score over. 16 straight points. They needed some mojo. This team had negative mojo. I know it came against the Texans, but any fourth quarter comeback where you score 10 points with your rookie quarterback is is a positive. And so, you know, anytime one on. of your you know two billion dollar tight ends can make a meaningful contribution, yeah, as Hunter catch a Henry touch, did. Touchdown. Uh, that's good as well. So good job uh, by the Pats. Sincerely, I mean they're like they're not special anymore. We all know that. And when they're injured as much as they are, and now they don't even have Steph Gilmore on the team. Uh, they found a way. We're not handing out lollipops, but a loss there would have been pretty grim, and they got the job done. Let us move on. <laughs> Give me that club sandwich. Henry oh, wow. on the left side to the five. Henry to the goal line. Touchdown, Titan. The Yuli Bulldozer. Now 29 carries for 130 yards, and count them. One, two, <laughs> three scores. All right. Greggy, I know you're not ready to fire back at Silva, who, and he's one of the wisest football men I know, uh, especially in the fantasy sector, but he came after you a little soon on the Sam Darnold thing. He, I saw him tweet, uh, uh, hit you up he on Twitter after three weeks. got weirdly personal about it. It was, it was important to him. Yeah, he was sticking it to you that you doubted Darnold and Darnold was now a star. Well, I got to say, the other thing about Silva, he said it's time to fade the big dog this year. Uh-uh, don't fade the big dog. Never fade the big dog. Derrick Henry ran for 130 yards and three touchdowns. Mm, and the might Jag- have to fade the- Silva after that take. <laughs> and the Titans beat the Jags 37-19. <laughs> that is 20 straight losses for the Jaguars. And here we are again. Oh. We are more than a quarter of the way into the year now. And Derrick Henry leads the league in rushing. 640 yards on- in five games. And the Titans bounce back after that grim loss to the Jets last week. The Jags' defense has sort of been overlooked in its ineptitude because, you know, Urban Meyer's... Ineptitude? Yeah, getting getting danced on in the Urban Meyer lounge or whatever. Uh, and, they were, and Trevor Lawrence, there's so much focus on that. At least he's had some moments. The, the defensive staff, I think, that Urban Meyer put together and just the performance, they just seem so basic week after week. And so that's what you end up losing. Uh, you end up giving up 37 points to a team whose leading receiver is Marcus Johnson. You don't even really have a, a real A.J. Brown, and there's no Julio in this game. The Urban Meyer Lounge, I like that. But Jimmy is all bar. night in the Urban Meyer Lounge. No camera phones here. Don't worry. <laughs> it's the Urban Meyer Lounge where you could be the man you've always wanted to be at the Urban Meyer Lounge. 
Phil Phil Wesley lives in Columbus, and uh, he's he's been to the the Urban Myers Bar many times. He he's he says he wants to bring us there, and now we can go. It's it's, I a, mean, it's a historic that, site. That uh, it's officially a place that can never be taken down by a wrecking ball. It is a must stop location in the history of our league. Titans, good bounce back there. The Jag, yeah, twenty straight losses. And uh, we keep on hearing these stats. Uh, Peter King, I heard it from him during the Sky Sports telecast. He won four games. As, he lost four games his entire life. Uh, and now he has lost five games in 37 days in the NFL. I don't know where the W's are coming, but uh, tough spot there for uh, Mr. Number one overall pick. I don't even know why. Right. And if, if Titans fan, you want a little more like in-depth coverage on your team's performance. Hey, how about don't lose to the Jets and then um, don't play a team like the Jaguars in a week where we're in London and it's really hard to watch all the games at once. <laughs> right. You know, it's just hard. Also, it's we just know hard. you tanked at the end of last year, and we don't we don't appreciate that either. <laughs> like the, the, there is there's something called uh, having integrity, and I just you know anyway, uh, let's now throw it uh, to the pipe. And the gra- ooh pipe no. and grave digger okay, in the yeah. morning. Oh, mm. all right, Ricky. I want you to stay up till five a.m. cooking up a sound drop. Pipe and grave digger, or it's grave morning. digger in the pipe. Mm. Pretty good, pretty good. All right, throw it to them. Sunday night football. Yes, Chiefs Bills. Oh, Sunday night. Second down and six. Off the fake, throws, touchdown. Okay, he's the MVP. Yeah, right now. Emmanuel Sanders with his second touchdown of the game. Ooh, we got a surprise. The Red Hot Bills rolled into a rain-soaked arrowhead and stunned the Chiefs, forcing four turnovers and an upset win over the defending AFC champions. Gravedigger, a shocker in KC. Are the Bills the new kings of the AFC? Until somebody knocks them off right now, I think you have to look at them that way. I mean, last week we thought the Cardinals were the best team in the league because they knocked off our previous best team, the Rams. Now we have the Cardinals struggled a little bit today. They came out with the win, but the Bills did not struggle. They dominated against what we expect to be one of the top contenders in the AFC. So now, I mean, it's a week-to-week league, right? We reevaluate this stuff every week. But now I'm thinking, are the Bills the best team in the NFL? And it looks like... Maybe so. Although, you really look at the the close details in this game, and it's like, if the Chiefs just protect the ball, who knows? The whole the final outcome could have been way different. A 4-0 to zero is a huge turnover margin. Yeah, you know, if they, if they protect the ball, if they don't have to wait over an hour during halftime, at that point, the Bills had a pretty sizable lead. It was 24-10, to 10, but it felt like, well, it was 24-13, to 13 actually, but it felt like they were starting to build a little bit of momentum. But I think the most surprising thing about this is, what has been the narrative for the Chiefs the last few years? It's been they're going to hit the big play. They're going to be an explosive offense. You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. You have to win with ball control. You have to win by keeping their offense on the off the field. And, and just you hope that they don't hit too many of those big-time plays. Well, instead, the script was flipped. You had the Bills. Josh Allen completes 
15 passes, throws for 315 yards on those 15 completions. It was the Bills hitting the big play. It was the Chiefs scrambling to try to keep up and then digging themselves deeper and deeper, trying too hard, making mistakes. Like you said, the turnovers, it was very wet there because of the rain, but there was so much more to this. It was. It, it felt like, um, like it was opposite day because instead of the Chiefs being the ones who were ahead or, or pressing the other team and getting them out of their comfort zone. It was the Bills, a, a, a dominant performance that I think is probably going to leave a lot of people stunned for many weeks to come. The only question now, at least what I have in my head, is we know what the narrative is going to be going into into Monday and into this week. The Bills are the toast of the town. They're going to be jumping through tables all week. They're all excited. <laughs> they are the new kings of the conference, but it is only week five. Can they do it again if they were to meet in the playoffs? That remains to be seen. They couldn't do it last year, but I'll tell you what, they got a huge injection of confidence with their performance tonight. And, you know, the playoffs are all about the teams that improve the most throughout the season. If you just look at from where we came from week one, when the Bills lost to the Steelers and they had they had trouble moving the ball all game that, that first week of the season, they didn't have any trouble moving the ball tonight, and they, they've already made huge strides in just, you know, five weeks We'll see. You know, you don't want to peak too soon. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. But what's crazy to me is just looking at the play disparity in this game. Like you said, the big plays for the Bills. 436 total yards for the Bills on just 54 plays. The Chiefs, 392 yards, which is a pretty productive game overall, on 79 plays. And they won the time of possession battle too, Kansas City did, by almost five minutes. You look at those numbers and like you just said, you know, Keeping Kansas City offense off the field clearly wasn't the recipe to beating them. But this is the story of the Chiefs' season so far to me. They keep losing these games because of turnovers. They they lost the turnover battle against the Chargers 4-0, lost that game. They had the fumbling away the game against the Ravens, lost that game. You look, I mean, when the playoff seeding comes out or it starts to be more important towards the end of the year and we really start talking about those things, We're going to look back on these Chiefs' losses and think, what could have been if they just didn't turn the ball over? It's sloppy play. It's almost hard to evaluate the Chiefs as a team because they keep just beating themselves. We know how good they can be if they stop beating themselves. But at a certain point, if you don't stop beating yourself, how good are you, right? Yeah, right. I mean, well, I think the other interesting thing about this, too, is their issues aren't just that their defense isn't keeping up with them because right now they can't get out of their own way with the football. It was very uncharacteristic for them tonight, I think, in the way that, yes, it was rainy, and it, and that makes for a situation where you're going to have guys who drop passes, but they were making mistakes that you just don't typically see from them. Patrick Mahomes, on a few occasions, was trying to fit balls into certain spots where his receivers might not have ended up there, and, and you could see him visibly frustrated by the middle of the third quarter that it just... Things weren't going according to plan. It wasn't easy anymore. And for these Chiefs for the last few years, it's been so easy. It, remarkably easy to the point where you're like, have we ever seen a team like this before? That that has not been them this year when they've had the football for almost every game. In fact, the only game that I really think about where they really got it together was when they came back to beat the Browns in week one and really right. got things rolling. And you look, uh, those are the Chiefs of old. And, and you know, we know their defense is going to have issues as well, but it, I think that they don't look anything like... They might not even win their division. I know we're only into week five, but you're now staring at a two-game deficit against a red-hot Chargers team that doesn't look like it's slowing down. Got a win that you already lost to. 
Yeah, exactly. Who you already lost to in a close game, who has that mental mojo over you now. They went for it on fourth and nine, converted, scored a touchdown, ends up holding on to win that game. They know they can beat you. Now the Bills know they can beat you. Now you're in a little bit of a spot where you're going to have to dig yourself out of not only a hole in the standings, but your own mental hole. Luckily, it is the biggest season ever with that extra game. So they got a (laughs) lot of time to figure things out. And you're right. The playoffs are all about the teams that correct the issues throughout the year and and start to peak then. You hope if you're a Bills fan that they don't peak too early. If this is not their peak, then you better watch out the rest of the conference and and, and perhaps the entire NFL if they're able to get over the hump. And the thing is, is the team that was standing in their way is the team that they just took control of tonight. Right. That's crazy. And, you know, something insane about this game, just looking at the box score, the leading rusher for both teams was the team's quarterback. Josh Allen leads the Bills with 59 yards on 11 carries. Patrick Mahomes leads the Chiefs on 61 car- with with 61 yards on eight carries. Clyde Edwards-Alaire exited the game with a knee injury, was quickly ruled out. We'll have to see what his status is going forward, but I don't even know if it makes a difference for the Chiefs' offense. I mean, I don't think offense is their problem I do think defense and penalties too I mean they had chances to get back in this game I know it was really late in the game but they did get an interception late that was turned over by a roughing the passer penalty they just keep doing things to shoot themselves in the foot and and ruining their chances but I don't know I do think the Bills are are undoubtedly the team to beat right now and as a Titans fan I think it's noted on this show that I am looking ahead to next Monday night that is scary. Titans play the Bills uh, <laughs> Monday Night Football next week. And yeah. Josh Allen looks like, I mean, through five weeks, if I had to name an MVP, I don't know. It's either him or Justin Herbert, probably one of those two guys. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. We um, Last week I wrote a piece for the top 10 first-time MVP candidates, you know, players who have not won an MVP before. And Josh Allen was high up on my list, but I, when I dove into the numbers— I looked at it and I went, huh, I'm actually going to have a little bit of a hard time justifying this. You know, he's not in the top five in passing yards or in the top five in passer rating or that type of thing. And yet when you watch this team every week, now tonight is different, of course. I mean, I know it's only, he only went 15 to 26, but those 315 yards, three touchdowns, that's going to stand out, of course. But when you watch them play football, it, it, he doesn't need to put up, you know, 350 passing yards a game for them to win. Maybe in games like this against a team like the Chiefs, but they're playing, they're a well-oiled machine. The, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, again, I can't say this enough. He just continues to be in the right place at the right time for them all the time. I mean, you go from John Brown, no offense to John Brown. I know we got a lot of fans of, of Smokey out there, but uh, he's been an upgrade. I mean, in so many, in so many ways, be, just because of his veteran presence and his ability to always be right there when Josh Allen needs him. He was right there again tonight, caught two touchdown passes, including one that essentially sealed the game late. Uh, it's like the perfect tandem. It's the perfect complement to Stefan Diggs, and it also allows them to not, you know, try to shoot for the big play all the time. And then they end up just happening because Josh Allen, I think, has taken that next step. You know, last year was that first step out of some of the initial struggles of his younger years in the NFL with inaccuracy and everything else. Last year was the first time that he was able to really feel comfortable and, and like he could make the play and 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 change a game and not make a you know crushing mistake. This is like the next step in that progression where. He doesn't have to go be the hero. They talked about that on the broadcast on Sunday Night Football that Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, Eric Bieniemy tells him, you don't have to go be the hometown hero every week. Well, Josh Allen is learning that he doesn't have to go be that guy. Just go play your game. And his game tonight was, what, close to three hundred, over 350 scrimmage yards. I think it was uh, mental math, 374 
just from Josh <laughs> Allen alone in a rainy game on a grass yeah. field where typically you don't expect that to happen. So, um, you know, it, it's they're a scary team. And, and the, the other thing that really stood out to me, I think that we cannot afford to overlook is, you know, we knocked the Chiefs for making mistakes and, and penalties and drop passes and everything else. This Buffalo defense is playing some pretty good football. They're flying all over the field. There wasn't much room to really run uh, organically, not with Patrick Mahomes scrambling, of course. But when it came through the air, they were right there breaking up multiple passes, you know, making plays. You had uh, Micah Hyde with an interception returned uh, for a touchdown off of a tip, you know, off of a drop. Basically went right through the hands of Tyreek Hill. But in between, they're making all the plays. Greg Rousseau with a tipped pass in an interception. No matter who it is, which level of the defense, they're coming together and they're playing more complete football. And that's what makes them scary. It's not just Josh Allen. It's not just Stephon Diggs. It's the fact that they're a very complete football team. And suddenly, we can't look at their past games so much and say, well, they were just playing Houston. Who cares if they won 40 to nothing? They could have won that game 60 to nothing, really, if they, if they <laughs> had converted some of the red zone uh, possessions early instead of settling for field goals. Now they got a legit win on their on their schedule right now that they just recorded that they can put up on the bulletin board and say, listen here, rest of the league, we are for real, and you better watch out because we're coming for you. Yeah, and I love that they're breaking out the designed runs for Josh Allen. That was the first time we've really seen that this season. The QB sweep type plays, the read option that he scored a touchdown on early. It's great to see him being able to use his legs. It almost feels like they were saving that on purpose for this opponent. Like they knew they needed to pull something out to keep their offense moving against Kansas City. And I want to go back to Micah Hyde's pick six because even the Chiefs right now, I mean, I don't know how you were feeling during that moment in the game, but I wasn't thinking oh, wow, now this game's so out of reach, that's it for Kansas City. Like, you never think that about the Chiefs. And then they turn it over again on the very next possession with the Gregory Rousseau tip. He's been amazing, by the way. I mean, a lot of people were skeptical of him coming out because he was so raw. He didn't play last year, but he's been on fire for them this year. And, and Miami, you know, the fact that they don't get the most out of their players typically in the last right. decade before they go to the <laughs> NFL and start. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Um but then the Chiefs did get the ball back. They, they didn't, the Bills weren't able to do anything off that second interception. And then the Chiefs go down and score. And it's like 31-20, to 20 and you're like, okay, here we go. The Chiefs are about to make a game of this. And with 13 minutes left, almost 14 minutes left, the Bills get the ball back. They actually, um, Isaiah McKenzie muffs the kickoff. You're going, oh, here we go. Bills recover and then put together the drive that really gives you the confidence that they can continue to be this elite team. And yes, I mentioned this before, helped out by the roughing the passer penalty that kept the drive going. But Josh Allen had scrambled for a first down where it looked like he was going to get caught from behind and somehow he didn't. Comes back for a holding penalty. Very next play is the roughing the passer. And from there, the Bills drive down the field, take off almost six minutes a clock, and don't give the ball back to Kansas City until it's basically too late after putting on another touchdown that really seals the game, like you said, Emmanuel Sanders' second touchdown. So I was just thoroughly impressed by the by the way the Bills were able to close out this game and not let Kansas City make it exciting late. Yeah, and that's the key. You know, you, you can point to a penalty and everything else, but first off, I, that wasn't a hold on the center uh, on Morris. Yeah, I, agree. <laughs> I don't know where they saw a hold. Maybe a slight grab of a jersey, but it was not a hold. It came in um, really late, too, the flag. Yeah, very, very strange. So to get that roughing the passer, it was like, yeah, all right, this kind of evens out. But you're right. 
there were multiple uh, situations just on that drive alone where Josh Allen's extending the play or he, he's scrambling or it's a designed run or he just takes off and gets the first down. That's probably what's most impressive is that's a situation where a lot of teams fold or a lot of teams start their meltdown and the Chiefs pull another one out of, you know, who knows where and ends up coming back and winning a game. They <laughs> close the door, slammed it on them shut. Uh, to complete that win. And, you, you know, if you look at their schedule, you mentioned the game coming up against the Titans. After that, I mean, it's pretty smooth sailing until about de- early December. We're about two weeks out from Christmas when they have a game where you're like, oh, here we go. This is a tough one. And that's Tampa Bay all the way in week 14. We're in week five. We're closing week five with Monday Night Football. Uh, well, when this comes out, it'll be today. It is today here. It's 1249 in the morning here in the, in the East Coast. But, uh, I mean, in between, they got Miami, Jacksonville, the Jets, the Colts, the Saints, the Patriots. I don't see them losing a single one of those games. So, you know, you go back and say, man, it's too bad they didn't uh, win that Steeler game. We'd have two teams undefeated in the NFL right now. And the Bills looking very strong, you know, into the next month and a half. And then on the Chiefs side, you know, as they kind of recover from this, they got a few games. Um, they also play your tight end. What a tough two-game stretch for your Titans. I know. You Kills, the Titans, and then Chiefs. You the Chiefs. All three of those teams play each other in, like, this insane three-week cycle. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, you know, they have they get Green Bay in, in a month. Uh, you know, so they, they're they're going to be able to kind of figure things out, too. You know, you Washington, Tennessee, New York, and then, and then Green Bay. So they got a little bit of a tougher slate. So it's, not all is lost, but... Two and three, this is certainly uncomfortable for the Chiefs, if nothing more. Not used to being in this position. Usually they get out of September undefeated, and this is yeah. not the case. So uh, some, some hand-wringing definitely coming in Kansas City. I will say, long-term, looking at the Chiefs, I'm not that concerned. Because, again, no. it's all about stop turning the ball. O- you can't win a football game if you lose a turnover battle four to zero. Right. I mean, it's almost impossible. So I'm not like worried. I'm not concerned about the Chiefs going forward. They just need to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Stop beating themselves, and they can easily become the team that we expected them to be all season. Yeah, and, and they'll be a tough out no matter what, especially if right. uh, they're not dealing with inclement weather. Um, I'm not saying this yeah. is an aberration. I'm also not going to go as far as Chris Collinsworth said tonight, saying this is the night that everything changed because it's a long season <laughs> and a lot can happen, but it's definitely a statement win for the Bills, and uh, it's a good way to close out the podcast, even without Dan and Greg. You know, we, just, we subbed in here, got, get the job done, not quite as you know resoundingly as uh, as the bills did but you know we got it done right <laughs> we did we did pretty well so thanks to those two guys for giving us this chance to recap what was the biggest game of the week on the schedule <laughs> at least before today started and obviously i have to thank erica because she suggested me as the other fill-in to do this sunday night recap with you which i very much enjoyed so thanks to erica for that and obviously it's very very late over in london right now but it's pretty late i'm not trying to compare but it's pretty late for you too I would I imagine they'll be waking up soon over there. Yeah, right. <laughs> right when the pod comes out. They could have done this themselves, actually. <laughs> yeah, almost. Pretty much. <laughs> they just have to catch the game on Game Pass. We caught it live, uh, and we wrapped it up. So, uh, yeah, all right. All right, thanks. We'll send it back over to Dan, Greg, and Erica to wrap up the show. All right, thank you to the Grave Digger and the Pipe. They the did pipe a good job. Digger. Well, Maybe. I didn't hear it. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, yeah, we're like clearly <laughs> pre-taping it b- yeah. before the. Oh my you know, gosh, that was. And that. the listeners can figure that out very easily. That was easily. so good. I just think Justin is just amazing. Nick always does a great job, but. No, but like we think that too. Obviously, that's why we asked them to handle the recap of one of the biggest games of the season. So like you telling little fibs just seems completely well you want to talk little fibs you're like oh who's gonna do it with shuck and we were in the car service this morning and i was like let's have justin do it 
And you were like, that's a great idea. Well, it wasn't a lie. That was just you making a suggestion and me yeah, that showing that I am open to ideas from people, including my <laughs> producer. <laughs> yeah, we're. I feel like we're talking about the same thing here. No, but like um, the words you're saying aren't meaning what you think that they say. I don't know what I'm speaking. I'm not even. I'm not even speaking. But I just thought they did such a good job. <laughs> All right, hey, before we go, thank yous. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people responsible for getting us here to London because it wasn't easy. It was not easy to make it happen this year with everything going on at our company, with the global pandemic, uh, all the challenges um, that we faced as a podcast and personally, uh, and yet we still made it to London and had an amazing time as a group. So I just want to thank Henry Hodgson for everything that he did, Uh, Sarah Parsons, my boss, uh, one of my many bosses, Matt Schneider, Jason Kleinman. I mean, without those guys, this isn't even a conversation. Nick Pike, Nick Pike at the NFL UK office for everything that he has done. Neil Reynolds for always being a mensch and taking care of us with Sky Sports and keeping us in the mix there. Alex Mason, his producer, who else are we missing? This is the time, Greg. Steve Manny putting together our pitch decks and all that kind of stuff. And, and Mark Brady for all the work that, that he did, you know, previously to get us. Setting here, the table, Mark Brady. So We great. love that man. And uh, it was such a, a special week. And uh, and it wasn't obviously the same without uh, Mark Sessler, who we hope to uh, be rejoining us once we get back to the States um, at some point. And, uh, of course, without Chris Wessling, uh, who was on our minds uh, throughout uh, this trip, just as he's been on our minds uh, ever since uh, we lost him in February. And uh, Greg, there was a a really nice moment. Um, we had our two live shows on Thursday, and uh, we we came out, and the place was packed. And it's been such an incredible, um, Greg and Ricky. It's been such an incredible uh, five days to see how our audience has grown as the show has gone on and um, the amount of people that we, you know, taking photos with us and coming up to us in the streets and at the stadium today, the show is bigger than ever uh, here in the UK. How many people like yelled NFL tugboat is. from the, the crowd? That's yeah, all I've ever wanted Dan, in my life Dan is people to flying. scream tugboat from flying. the upper deck. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the live shows, which were sold out, um, coming out there and I had a, this photo that I keep behind me um, at, at at my house of, of, of Wes, this great um, artwork of Wes, and held it up to the crowd. And, Ricky, if you could play the reaction from the crowd uh, as we held up this photo of Wes and just kind of soaked in the moment, uh, Wes not being with us but always being with us at the same time. It was really special. Play it, Ricky. <laughs> that was just oh man that was that was really really special stuff and uh i'll never forget it that I mean, was my, just so unplanned like my, too my oh. heart was gonna explode then like i couldn't handle it and i felt that and and more at the stadium today when you know when they when they said chris's name in that stadium and 
they, you know, they, and they introduced us when we were on the Jumbotron Drew. And it was a really, you know, it was a really nice ovation um, in both cases. But of course, especially for Wes, I don't know, him, him not being there hit, hit so hard. And it sucks because you just want him to be able to know the impact he had. And I, I think he did. And I, I think he, um, I think he had this great way of appreciating these trips to London. We we all do. Um, but I think when he came off the stage, Henry was talking to me about it. Uh, one of the first times he was here or just meeting people at, at one of our very first meetups. And he just couldn't get over the fact that <laughs> all these guys, all these people overseas, like got such a kick out of him. And he connected with so many of them on a one-to-one level. I started feeling today when, you know, when they introduced, when they said his name, it's like that all these people cheering for Wes at a packed out, sold out 65,000. 65,000 people of an NFL game in London. And I could hear his voice cheering for just a kid from the West side of Cincinnati, you know, um, it was beautiful and it was hard too. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It was. It, was, it was hard too. And it was, it's a testament to, you know, that reaction is a testament to what we've been able to build with the show and, and that we absolutely um, includes Wes because getting to this point and having these opportunities happen because the four of us got together and uh, created something together and created this audience and, and a show that, um, has been, you know, really important to us and important to a lot of people that listen to us. And that was part of the what made this week so special, too, was talking to so many different fans, uh, whether it was them spotting us in the street and talking to us or at the stadium today or at the live show and them sharing what the show has meant to them in uh, good times and bad and uh, they, it's just, it, it, it works on a different levels because the, the audience has been with us through good times and bad, and we've shared good times and bad with them. Uh, so we're kind of all in this together, um, and we've all shared the grief of uh, losing Wes. So, you know, grief is something you carry around with you, and it doesn't really ever go away, but I think when you're not doing it alone, uh, that helps. And, and as long as we have this audience, we're not alone. Uh, with it, so yeah. Um, so say much. anything, Rick? Yeah, it just meant so much, and to to meet so many people, and to hear like what he specifically meant to them. It was like the, I don't think there was one person that was just like, "Oh, I love your guys' show." It was like, "I love your guys' show," and also like miss Wes every day. Like it was just so touching and i i said it to you guys in private earlier tonight like just so proud to be even a small part of what you guys have built and to be able to be here with you guys and without you know wes and and mark it's a it's a different trip but just proud of proud of you guys and just was so happy to get to experience this again we're we're so lucky yeah i, w- I wish he could know you know i wish yeah. i wish he could know like i wish i could travel back and and tell him in those last few weeks, like, you know, we're gonna be in London this year, and they're gonna they're gonna say your name, and 
the place is gonna the place is gonna go crazy and they're gonna show your picture in this full stadium, this celebration of football, like the sport you love. But I, I don't know. Somehow I think like he did know, you know, that he does know. Um and and that like we're here, you know. That's that's one thing I do I did really um try to think about that like we we are here. He's not here, but we're here. And we can we can have gratitude for that moment because, like you said, Dan, you said it beautifully. Like we we are all part of that, and the fans are all part of that. And I felt that talking to to everyone that came up to us this week. So I just want to thank every, everyone that did come up to us, and and everyone that didn't. You know, everyone that yelled out, and because we feel it, we felt the love, and it really means the world to us. And even the people that didn't come up to us uh, because they don't like us, we like you guys too. <laughs> That's fine. Or, even the guy, or, even the guy outside the stadium oh, this morning that yes. asked for a photo <laughs> of Greg and then said hi to Ricky, and then I offered, "Do you want me to take the photo?" And uh, he mentioned some one of Greg's many podcasts. I didn't even know. I can't remember which you one it was. You made a JRVP but... reference, just to I don't know. But no, you're not. Ex- you're, I know we want to go to bed, but you have to do this justice. So he goes, "Oh my God, Greg, 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 can I get a photo?" And then he's like, "Oh my God, Ricky Hollywood, get in the photo." And Dan like looks at me and no, makes he was a funny more like, face. "Oh hey, Ricky Hollywood." No, no, oh, yeah, hey. no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. I was in the photo. And then and then Dan looks at me and does one of his smug faces, like lifts his eyebrows. And he looks. At, so he looks at me first, like, watch this. Then because he, he thought the guy didn't see him. Then he goes to the guy and oh he goes, God, you want, falling asleep. You want me to take <laughs> the <taking> photo? <laughs> and the guy was like, no, I'm good. Because he didn't know Dan. Uh, it was so funny. Ricky was you loving that walk. Ricky earlier. was loving that walk into the into the stadium. Oh, you you want me to no. you want me to get in the picture too? You know, it was a lot. <laughs> it was it was awesome. I take but back everything what? I just said. Nice to you guys. No, I, when no. people were screaming from the rafters for the tugboat, wherever that guy was, I got the last <laughs> laugh on him. Oh Someone no! Someone called there you were, Daddy were Rich too. It is fun to just see. There's just like some just Kansas fans, some just oh yeah, fans, totally. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's great. I love it. Anyway, now we're, we're prattling on. But, uh, yes, it, it was an amazing week. The third time we've been here as a group. Um, and uh, we hope to do it again next year and the year after that and the year after that because there is a special connection here um, between our show and this part of the world. And uh, we're just very fortunate to be able to celebrate that. Okay. Now, we we're getting play on out a plane. The show. Uh, yeah, we, yes, we will. But I just want to say, we're getting on a plane. God willing, we'll touch back down in America um, later tomorrow. No show Tuesday, so don't get all upset. We're just recalibrating some clocks. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with another episode and then um, a full week of shows, just one day late. In addition to uh, everything else going on at the live shows, uh, it happens to be Mr. Mark Sessler's uh 38th birthday uh, or thereabouts uh, this weekend, Sunday, in fact, uh, and the listeners or the uh, people in attendance at our live show wanted to share a message with Mark. So we will sign off with that. Love you, London. You go into your shower feeling 
tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.